You're listening to the Tamar Yona Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And we are going to be talking about Jerusalem Day that happened last week in Israel. Very important day. Also, is Israel dependent on the United States or is the United States dependent on Israel? Hmm. Also, European drought and water crisis and U.S. inflation future and SWIFT and U.S. domination. So if you're worried about your money, you may want to listen in and then you can make perhaps more informed decisions on how you want to save it and protect it. Our guest today is Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. He's a commentator on Mideast and world issues, and he is the author of the book Muslim Winter, and you can find that on Amazon. He is a former lecturer at Ben-Gurion University. He's authored over 90 books and 400 research papers on science, history, and more. Welcome to the show, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. Thank you. All right, so let's start out with this intriguing topic, is Israel dependent on the U.S., the United States, or is the United States dependent on Israel? And by the way, if anybody wants to read that article, I will try to leave a link to to it in on our webpage where the show is podcasted. Go ahead. Okay, let, let, me, put, let me give the bottom line first. The answer is obviously not quite so simple. There is mutual dependency. Um, Israel obviously gets its um, some of its um, primary military equipment from the United States. Um, we purchase it with our own money. Um, the United States does supply a certain amount, relatively small amount of credits that we can use to create American jobs in the in their defense industry. Um, but any monies that the United States allocates to Israel does not arrive in Israel at all, not a single penny of it. All of it must, by law, be spent in the United States to buy American products. So the, 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 that, that, so much for the um, so-called uh, 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 dependency of Israel on, upon the United States. On the other hand, um, the United States is very heavily dependent upon Israel today for many very central technologies. And people just aren't aware of the real facts. Uh, I can't, we don't have the time here to go into the detail, but the article does uh, go into into a significant amount. The, the article that I wrote actually is not really an article per se. It's really a rebuttal and review of an article uh, that was writ- printed in, I think it was in Wall Street Journal, um, by a well-known person, or a very respectful person, his article was respectful. As I'm not saying that his article was bad; it was just incorrect. Um, uh, what's his name? Walter Mead? Is that the something like that? Three words, whatever. I'm forgetting his exact name. It doesn't matter. Um, uh, uh, um, if we just, if I could just give a, a sort of bottom line to that, to that rebuttal of mine, um, I would say that. Uh, basically, every American company that is in any said sense a technology company, whether high tech or middle tech, has a very large footprint here in Israel. Um, if we talk about um, uh, uh, so-called middle tech companies like the automobile companies, General Motors has nearly a thousand engineers here. Lockheed Martin has a thousand engineers here. Ford 
one probably the greatest irony that could possibly one could possibly think of. Henry Ford was the primary sponsor and funder of Adolf Hitler. Ford today does most of its R and D, advanced R and D here in Israel. And of course, it's not limited to that. As I said, it's a uh, um, uh, Intel, um, uh, uh, Intel Israel uh, employs more per, more people than does Intel in the United States. Hmm. The Intel plant in Kirat Gat is Intel's largest physical establishment. And essentially, the list is just endless. Um, just about every company that you can think of in the United States that is anything in any kind of technology, um, whether it be high-tech, uh, biotech, electronics, uh, automobiles, um, aerospace, whatever, they have a footprint in Israel. Some of them are larger, some of them are smaller. The... the um, uh, uh, oldest of them all, by the way, which I think is a fascinating story, is IBM. IBM, which was a in, uh, throughout the war, throughout the Holocaust, supported the Nazi Party and Hitler. Right. As soon as the war was over and they discovered what they had done, they were not aware of it. They apologized profusely, and they immediately established a, a, a major operations here in Israel, including an R&D center from the 50s. And uh, they have been um, uh, 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 very, very loyal. They made a lot of money here as well. Uh, um, and they certainly, they certainly don't regret what they did. But one should acknowledge that they made a sincere apology for the mistake that they had made. And a sincere apology is extraordinarily valuable. I once heard also that uh, companies like to hire Israelis because many of them find that the Israelis generally are more mature than uh, their local population because the Israelis have served in the Israeli army and, uh, and so they have a better grasp on you know, life and work and ethics, etc., that's very true, but it goes, it goes even beyond that. It's not just a question of, of uh, uh, maturity. You're absolutely correct about that. But if we look at books like, um, what was the name of that book? Um, uh, the Startup Nation, a, a very well-known book. Right. Um, one of the points it brings up is that Israelis, unlike Americans, are never embarrassed to react. In other words, if, you're, if, you're, if, uh, if an American is, is sitting in a meeting with his, with his or her boss, and the boss says something, Americans will be, um, shall we say, chagrined to disagree with, uh, to disagree with, the, with the boss. That's not, that doesn't exist in <laughs> our country. It reminds me of how to succeed in business without really trying. Okay, go ahead. Uh, 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 that, that simply does not exist in our culture. Uh, I can distinctly remember, uh, specifically, um, I served in the Army with Alex Jerome. He was a general. I was a private. And if he said something that I disagreed with, I would tell him so. And there was no problem with that. That's not considered insubordination. You're expressing an opinion. And from that, people learn. That's how we... This is true. <laughs> that's how we organize By the way, I want to... I, I, I just want to reiterate here that we're not trying, God forbid, to put down people or Americans or anything. We love America. We love the American people. But we're just showing a certain, you know, th things things that we're good at and things that the Americans are good at. And in this sense, uh, the Israelis are known for being much more assertive. Some people call it chutzpah, chutzpah in Hebrew. Um, but go ahead. 
It's very true. I'm not saying anything about Americans. I'll give the opposite example. Americans are better than Israelis and everything in terms of packaging, for instance, which is a critical amount, a critical issue in any kind of product marketing. I would add to that service. You don't do it well. I would add to that service, customer service in America much better than here in Israel. Um, we're we're going to be going to a break in another um, two and a half minutes or so. And I want to read just a little, the end of your article, if I may, to the people, um, because it's, it's a very interesting article that you wrote, and I want to encourage people to, to read it. Can, can I do that? Sure. So you write, you end up the article more or less like this. Israel today has a higher birth rate higher female fertility, higher GDP per capita, higher life expectancy than the United States. Israel has fewer murders with all the, the issues with our neighbors in a year than Chicago in a weekend. Our social stability is far safer. Our banking stability is far safer. Our population, despite the issues we have at the moment with our quote-unquote fascinating politics, is far more cohesive than in the United States of America. In other words, by every objective measurement, Israel is far more assured of a future than America. By non-objective measurement, we also believe and this includes the secular population as well in our promised future. So that's uh, more or less the, the end of the article. And I encourage you all to go read it. I'm going to, again, try to put a link in, uh, in on the page where the show is podcasted. Uh, and it's called, Is Israel Dependent on the U.S. or is the U.S. Dependent on Israel? And you give both sides there. And so it's a very interesting article. So we have another minute until we go. I just want to add that if somebody can't find the article or can't get it, I, obviously anyone can send me a, me a mail. I'll be more than happy to mail it out to them. Right. You can write info at israelnewstalkradio.com. Okay. All right. So uh, any last word on the last minute that we have? Uh, not about that. I mean, we can go to other things. Let, let's take just a moment to, to talk about perhaps Jerusalem Day and the importance. This is a something which is very unique to Israel in that sense. We, in, in a certain sense, we have sort of in, 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 in double quotation, air marks, whatever they call them, air quotations, whatever, we have sort of two independence days. We have the, the day of, uh, of when we declared independence as a country and the day when Jerusalem was reunited. Remember, uh, 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 the eastern part of Jerusalem, over? Well, we're going to a break now. The music is on. And when we get back, we will talk about Jerusalem Day, how important it is, how happy it is here in Israel, and how much it ruffles the feathers of our enemies. We'll be right back, everybody.
All right, we're back here at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and our guest is Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem, and we were talking about the United States and Israel and that relationship. And next we're talking about Jerusalem Day that has uh, taken place, what well, takes place every year, and it happened here last week in Israel. It was, it's a very important day, a very happy day, and a day that ruffles the feathers, I said, of our enemies. And I want to say here that we all know that Jerusalem is the center, if you read the Bible, it is the center of what they say that before the Messiah, the Mashiach, comes, that the war is going to be over Jerusalem. And we see that there are people and countries that do not want to recognize Jerusalem as Jewish, as Israel. And in fact, uh, up until I think President Trump, if you were born in Jerusalem and you're an American citizen, it would not say you were born in Jerusalem, Israel. It would say you were born in Jerusalem, and people had been wait, fighting. Wait, wait, when, you, when you say when you say it would say, you mean the the American passport yes, would say? Yes, the passport would say, and uh, people were fighting that because it, it it shows that they didn't want to recognize that Jerusalem belonged to the Jewish people to Israel, and I I believe that when Trump came into office, I believe that was rectified. And uh, Jerusalem Day is a day where we celebrate the after the 1967 war when, is, uh, when Jerusalem was liberated and the east and the west of the city, the east was occupied by Jordan. The western part of the city was in Israel's hands. And in, in the 67 war, we liberated the eastern part of the city. And uh, it's a very big day where we go with, uh, on, on, we have like a big parade. Mostly youth go out there, young adults, and they wave the Israeli flag. And it's a day of celebration. Uh, it's not a day of killing, uh, killing people like you see in parades of the uh, Islamists here and uh, etc. cetera. Um, so it's a very happy and family-oriented day. But... There's always, always political problems because the terrorist groups all threaten and the imams threaten that if Israel dare march through the old city, which is the original Jerusalem, uh, with our flag, with our Israeli flags, they're going to, uh, and then they threaten all this violence against us. So I'm going to leave it there and let you take it from here. Okay, first of all, uh, uh, the 19-year occupation by Jordan was an illegal occupation, illegal according to the United Nations. Illegal was not recognized by anyone in the world other than um, uh, never Great Britain and Pakistan. So the, those 19 years were not, it's not as if we reunited Jerusalem by taking something that didn't belong to us. It was recognized by the entire world before then that it did not belong to Jordan. And since a a, a so-called country called Palestine or any variation of that has never existed. Obviously, it didn't belong to, to, to never, unless you're part of the, uh, the never-ending story where you can have something that belongs to nothing, but um, that's, that's besides the point. I, I think it's important to also say that this war was a defensive war, that the Arabs were uh, mounting up against us, though we opened up the attack first, and so we didn't... Um, make the mistake that we made later on in the in the Yom Kippur War. Um, we did this only because we were defending ourselves. We didn't. And it's not like we had our sights, you know, set on. Well, we're going to liberate Jerusalem. This war, you should you should have said the, the the Six Day War. In the Six Day, I'm saying that when yeah. we got it, it was the Six Day War, and we didn't make the mistake that we made later in '73 for the Yom Kippur War, where we waited to be attacked first. But go ahead. Correct. Correct. Uh, so the Six Day War, we, 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 well, 
actually legally, physically you are correct. Kinetically you are correct. Legally you are not correct. Because under international law, as soon as uh, uh, Egypt declared an, uh, a blockade of the port of Eilat, a blockade, a naval blockade, is by international law, causes belai, and therefore they actually, in terms of legalities, okay. they actually started the war. Okay, I stand corrected. Go ahead. So um, um, uh, 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 what's really important here is, is, is your, last, uh, your last phrase of, of uh, ruffling the feathers of some people. What happened this year was fascinating. Just before this, we had that little scuffle with, with Gaza. Now, in that little scuffle with Gaza, as people probably know, Hamas did not take part, um, and we fought only with um, uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, the uh, uh, proxy of, uh, of Iran, of the um, uh, Ayatollahs in Iran. Now, um, uh, it's very, it's very uh, interesting to note, not only did Hamas not participate, Hezbollah did not participate. Um, Yemenites did not participate. All of these people that were predicted that they might participate, none of them did. On the other hand, we seriously, very seriously damaged Islamic Jihad and uh, uh, probably more successfully than ever before. And so uh, uh, strategically... Um, well, I know that you were rather upset at the uh, at the ending of the of the of the scuffle, but strategically it was a resounding success. I, I want to add something they here. Did not interfere yeah. either in the war or in Jerusalem Day is extraordinarily telling in terms of the building of of deterrence. Okay, so I want to say something here, and I want to preface it with it is hearsay. All right, so take it. Uh, with a grain of salt or for whatever you believe it's worth. But I understand the reason that we were successful in the sense of eliminating and targeting certain uh, Islamic jihad terrorists is because Hamas was telling us where they lived and where they were because they are a threat to the power structure of Hamas there. You've got two cooks in the kitchen and they don't and they wanted uh they wanted these people out so they gave the names and, and the addresses to israel i mean how does israel get a lot of its information some of it we get uh, of our own um talents but others you have arabs who are giving us this information for their own interest because either like i just said or there are arabs that hate their terrorist government and want israel to come back in and uh, and so they help her, or for whatever reason. Go ahead. Well, I, I can't comment about that. Okay. Um, uh, 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 I don't know about um, um, rumors and stuff like that. Okay, okay, good. That's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just want people uh, what, to have what, an open mind where things might happen. Go ahead. Is real. That's very, very important. So in that sense, at least, and I would say strategically even more so, um, this previous scuffle was uh, uh, extraordinarily successful from our standpoint. Even though I, I know that you you weren't happy with the ending of it, but it was it was good. It because it's not an ending. It's going to happen again whenever they feel like they no want to do it. No matter what you do, it's going to happen again. Not, no, not if you win. People. If you win the war, it's not going to happen again. You're wrong. I disagree <laughs> with you, but go ahead. That's okay that we disagree. 
Of course it's okay. I'm perfectly uh, all right with uh, that. There, there is no, first of all, in, 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 you, there's, there is no definition of you win. There's no way to define that. And secondly, I disagree um, there also, uh, but go even ahead. if you had something where, um, uh, 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 heaven forbid, uh, we'd killed enormous quantities of people in the Gaza Strip, um, it, it would have cost us so terribly in terms of our own losses that it's just not worth the. uh, I hear you, but I want to make clear to our listeners, I never said to kill a lot of people in the Gaza Strip. I said to win the war. There are ways to win the war without killing people in the Gaza Strip. Go ahead. Well, I don't know about those. I I don't I don't know how you you do that. Okay. Okay. All right. Another time I'm uh, happy to talk about it. (laughs) Okay. so um, uh, 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 what's important here is that the that, that our strategic objective at the scuffle was deterrence, and we succeeded in achieving that objective. That objective. So, in that sense, by that definition, we did win. Okay. So okay. that's, you know, we, we achieved our strategic objective. That's that was that's what was important. Go. Yeah. Okay. So okay, that's 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 in terms of Jerusalem Day. What's important is that there was nothing, nothing happened. It was. Entirely peaceful, entirely quiet, entirely happy. There was no problem whatever. And that's, that's just beautiful. Yes. Uh, it all went off pretty much without a hitch. And thanks to our security forces that kept everything without a hitch. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And okay. by the way, I, 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 Jerusalem functioned very normally. That day I went, I went to Machine Yehuda, the, the, the open-air market. I did my shopping. Um, uh, uh, I traveled there and back on the on the on the tram on the uh, light rail. Um, um, everything was quite normal. Everything was lovely. Um, the weather was also beautiful. The weather cooperated marvelously, uh, and it was a lot of fun. Great. Okay, we have a minute left till we go. Do you want to segue into our next topic, or do you want to finish up sure. in this one? Anything sure, you want to say? Go. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, uh, um, most people in Europe and probably some people in, in, in other places are aware that there are um, significant issues in Europe today with um, uh, drought and a very significant water crisis. I should preface that by stating that Europe is not the only place that it has a water, water crisis. There are significant water crises today across many areas of the United States. And other places that um, are not accustomed to this kind of thing. And uh, um, we'll talk about this when we get back from the break, which is very soon. But um, this this water crisis is extraordinarily important for what's going on in the world today and for the future of Europe in, uh, in general. Okay. So uh, we're, we'll talk about that when we get back from the break. Everybody, you're listening to the Tamar Yono Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And I just want to give a shout out to all the people who are listening in from all over, from the United States, Israel, the Netherlands, Canada, Slovakia, United Kingdom, Poland, Iran, Argentina, uh, etc., etc. We're going to be right back, everybody. Don't go anywhere. We're 
back here at the Tamar Yono Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and we are talking with Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem. We were talking about the United States, Israel, and we started to talk about the European drought and water crisis. And pray tell, if you're wondering, ah, that's happening on the other side of the pond, how does that uh, affect me? Well, Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem, tell us how it affects us. It affects all of us, includes and very, very much so, including Israel, of course. But let me just go through, get get some data here, to so we have a basis of discussion. Um, uh, uh, as I said, um, uh, more than twenty percent of Europe has been declared in in drought, but all of Europe is affected by it. Severe crop crop yield warnings. Not as there will there will be food shortages in Europe. Uh, the crisis is widespread, deep, multi-year. It's not a one-year thing. It's a continuation of last year. Last summer, we discussed this as well. It's gotten worse. And, and uh, uh, um, uh, the summer of 2022, Europe had a one in 500-year drought. And as I said, this is uh, the continuation of that. Um, this year, it began already in the spring. In other words, five months earlier than last year. Uh, uh, rivers are very low. Um, uh, um, and uh, why uh, that uh, matters is also because of transportation. A lot of uh, boats would take uh, products uh, along the river uh, route, and they can't do that very now. True. Very true. Barge cargo weight is down by 50%. In other words, one cannot uh, put on a barge, on river barges, River barges is the least expensive and the most prevalent method of transporting bulk goods in Europe. Um, so you, you cannot put on these barges as much as you used to. It's down by, by 50%. It's very important, which means that the costs are essentially doubling. Um, uh, 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 groundwater depletion, according to satellite data, began in uh, 2018. Reservoirs are down by anywhere from 50 to 60 percent. Um, uh, water competition is growing across all of Europe. Theft of water is growing uh, is growing as well. Italy's longest river, the Po, is at a historic low. France had its longest rainless period since the Crusades, and they've decided to cut consumption by 10 percent. Even Ireland is in drought. I've visited Ireland. Ireland, in terms of geography at least, is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. It really is the Emerald Island. Well, not not this year it isn't. Um, there are problems with agriculture, problems with power generation. Uh, 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 remember the Dutch government just a few le- few months ago over the closing farms. Now they, I'm I'm, I'm wondering how much they 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 regret having done that now that. There are food shortages across all of Europe. Nuclear power plants lack water for cooling. I would say that this is apparently congruent to the medieval warm period between the years 900 to 1300 AD. When things happened there, similar to what's happening in Europe today, happened at that time as well. And I'll remind people that our aficionados of history, that was a period when Jews were repeatedly ejected from various countries around Europe. Um, And many anthropologists today 
claimed that there is a there is and was a direct connection between the eviction of Jews and the water problems that existed then. Um, uh, 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 now we come to the what I would call the uh, the Israeli uh, um, uh, um, uh, aspect of this issue. Uh, as most people probably know, which country in the world has the world's most advanced water technology? Obviously, Israel. Israel right. um, we export it all, all over the world, except, of course, to Europe. Um, as people are aware, Europe does not particularly like Israel, um, which is sort of a continuation of the statement about the ejections of, of uh, a few centuries ago. Um, we sell water technologies, as I said, every place except in, in Europe. What has Europe's historical bit, response been to shortages, particularly food and water? Does anyone seriously think European aristocrats will actually go to work for their in their lives? I'm sort of, I sort of doubt that. Then what they do is they send their armies to steal. That's what Pope Urban II declared in 1095 at, uh, at the uh, Council of Claremont. He said, we don't have sufficient in, uh, resources. Go out and take them from others. So it's a, it's a papal decree to go out and steal from other countries. That's what Europe has always done. Europe's economy today has a basis in tourism. Museums are full of stolen items. It has a basis in luxury goods like Gucci, wine, cheese. Now, who's going to buy luxury items when people are getting poorer all the time? Infrastructure, of course, Europe is crumbling. Uh, has anyone heard about Big Ben? Has anyone heard about what's happening in, in the so-called Palace of Westminster? In Palace of Westminster, the, the, the Parliament of, of, uh, of England, pieces of masonry are crumbling and falling on people. Big I ben, did not hear about that. After $19 million investment in, in renova renovating the clock, it didn't work this past week. Hmm. I didn't hear about that. Very interesting about Big Ben. Okay. okay. Um, uh, 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 so all across Europe, infrastructure is crumbling. Um, what's Europe going to do this time when it gets hungry and their stolen cash runs out? They don't have armies anymore. And a few, uh, and they don't have young people to man them, even if they, had, if they really did have armies. And a few armies that they have don't have ammunition or arms because they sent all that ammunition to away, didn't they? <laughs> to Ukraine. Ukraine right. uses more ammunition in a month than the United States and the Europeans together manufacture in a year. They use more in one month than the Europeans and the Americans together manufacture in a year. The French army is a third Muslim. Are they going to invade North Africa again? I kind of doubt that. Hmm. Very interesting. So this is a very interesting subject. I mean, we see that it has a, a very poignant Israeli aspect to it. As I said, um, we sell water technologies to Saudi Arabia with whom we don't even have official relations, not to mention uh, uh, all across Africa, South America, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The Europeans don't want to buy for us. Just to give a, a, a one number that so people can understand what I'm talking about in terms of uh, water recovery or, 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 or uh, whatever the proper English terminology is, we reuse 
over 90, uh, nearly 90% of our, of our water, that includes sewage, of course. The country closest to us in Europe in that sense is Spain. They reuse 8%. And unfortunately, they just don't have the... And we uh, have desalinization. Uh, of course, desalinization. Well, desalinization is probably not relevant to Northern Europe, it's, but it would certainly be relevant to Southern Europe, places like... Um, uh, uh, Italy, uh, Greece, uh, right. southern France, uh, Iberia, Spain and Portugal, etc. Right. Right. Um, but of course, you know they 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 prefer to die. It's easy. It's a lot easier to to go hungry than to give uh, to do business with Jews. Europeans are very interesting people. Unfortunately, they have a long history of anti-Semitism. And uh, and they're living up to it still today. Much yes, of it. that yeah. is. And as we all know, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, anytime there is any problem in Europe, anti-Semitism grows. No connections, no relationship. Who cares? I mean, you know, Jews don't bring the don't bring the rain. <laughs> but that, that that doesn't matter. Well, you know, Iceland. How many Jews live in Iceland? <laughs> And they're very anti-Semitic. Something, something like 100. And they're extremely anti-Semitic. It's like they're not even Jews over there. Why do they hate us so much, you know? Anyway, okay, we have a, a little bit more time. Let's go on to uh, another topic, and that is U.S. inflation future. Okay. Now, uh, I've mentioned many times that what's going on right now with the Federal uh, uh, Reserve Bank in terms of their 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 um, uh, uh, claims to depress inflation is really kind of silly, and it will it will not succeed. And I've predicted for months now that oil prices are about to rise. Well, this past week, both Russia and Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia being the number one exporter in the world, Russia being the I think second or third exporter of oil in the world, have both cut back. Seriously, cut back on their on their pumping. Russia cut back by five hundred thousand barrels per day. Saudi Arabia have announced a cutback. I do not see the exact quantity, but evidently it's it's also significant. And I would expect all of OPEC Plus to concur. Um, the present price structures are unsustainable, and we all know that. I'm, I discussed we discussed this last week. Um, price structures in the seventies are under the cost to produce. So these countries will all be cutting back to raise prices. And once the price of oil goes up, everything that Powell has done in terms of his inflation delusion is just in the garbage. Because oil is the most important, or energy, to be more accurate, is the most important aspect of, of inflation. And they've done nothing to actually fight core inflation, the actual causes, what causes the inflation across, for instance, the United States and Europe. So expect inflation to begin to rise. Whether the Fed will react to that with a further raising of interest rates, therefore causing more banks to collapse, and et cetera, et cetera, none of us can know at the time. Um, uh, 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 Americans have this thing that Oh, if you don't like this, then we're going to hate you, et cetera, et cetera. And so Saudi Arabia did a deal with China, and the American press all went crazy about um, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia doesn't like us anymore. 
but that's really silly. Saudi-China trade in 2022 stood at $116 billion. Saudi-U.S. trade in 2022 stood at $35 billion. So it's nearly a question of Saudis doing what's best for Saudi Arabia and not have anything that has nothing to do with the United States in that sense. 29% of Americans have been diagnosed over this past two years with clinical depression. Clinical depression is a real sickness. It is a real illness. People die from clinical, clinical depression. People go off and do horrible things uh, that in the end can result in mass suicide. So clinical depression is a real problem. The U.S. has a crumbling military with uh, 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 overpriced and underperforming equipment. What we've seen in the Ukraine war in terms of American equipment is that every system that they have touted has been countered by Russia. Russia this past week destroyed an American Patriot system. It cost a billion dollars to the American taxpayer. Russia this past week exploded tens of ammunition depots, hundreds of thousands of tons of ammunition, and the, Ameri and the Ukrainians are short of ammunition in any case. Remember, that's why the Americans, quote unquote, stole, that's not their terminology, that's my terminology, they uh, 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 reassessed 300,000 rounds of 155 millimeter um, uh, um, uh, artillery ammunition, taking it from uh, uh, from Israel and giving it to Ukraine. Most of that has been simply blown up, not used. Why? Why? Yeah. The Russians know where it is, and they simply blow it up. Ah, the Russians are blowing it up. Okay, I thought, okay, fine. I didn't understand. Okay, okay. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Russians, Russian intelligence in, 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 in Ukraine is superb. American intelligence at the beginning of the war was good. Russian intelligence now, by this time, has far surpassed the quality of American intelligence. Um, I mean that in terms of military intelligence, not in terms of IQ of individuals. I'm not right. saying anything against a, a persons there. Um, uh, 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 let me give you an example of, of, of kind of poor leadership that we're seeing in American military today and again when i say we're seeing i'm talking about as an outsider as this is something that i i look at and i say huh so rear admiral jeremy williams the commander of u.s special operations in the pacific said in florida this past wednesday quote there is absolutely when we get right down to deck plates uh uh uh, uh, uh there's a moral challenge because there's a lot of folks that quite frankly, have joined the organization with a vision of what their day's work, what their career would look like, and that's rapidly morphing and changing. Can somebody translate that into English for me, please? I have no idea what he said. Neither do I. <laughs> we need to understand, and, and, and this is not me saying it, but, but a lot of former U.S. military, senior U.S. military personnel I've made this statement, and I'm simply repeating it. The number one priority for professional Washington is to keep the money flowing. 
There is absolutely no excuse why an identical rocket or an identical motor shell or an identical motor bomb, pardon me, or identical art artillery shell manufactured in Israel costs less than half of what it costs if, it if it's manufactured in the United States. It's, it's simply inexcusable. Now, I'll take one, just one example. The Tamir missile, the missile that the Iron Dome fires, manufactured in Israel, costs $50,000, manufactured by Raytheon in the United States, $125,000. There's no reason why it should cost two and a half times the price. Simply inexcusable. That reminds me yeah. of how an aspirin in the hospital will cost you $25 an aspirin if you bought it over the counter. <laughs> it's, go ahead. Okay. I mean, there, there's no excuse. The, the American taxpayer, taxpayer is simply being um, pilfered. Is that the right word? Yeah. <laughs> we have to understand what's going on here. And this is a uh, subject that we've discussed, um, I don't know how many times already. First, historical thread. Previously, up until the 1920s, a country bought goods and services from another country. Gold was exchanged. Gold was deposited in private banks. And physical gold was exchanged between the countries for the uh, for those goods or, and or services. In 1931, the Federal Reserve Act, all private gold coinage was confiscated, and America began to move to 100% fiat currency. China today is in the same is the same economic size as all of Europe. That's because China has grown uh, over the last 30 years, and Europe has shrunk over the last 30 years. Economically, of course. Uh, yet, with that, China, with that phenomenal growth, Chinese people have not grown richer over the past two decades. Meaning, people cannot buy products from America. Now, remember, Trump, when he was in office, attempted to alleviate this somehow, or at least somewhat, by convincing the Chinese to purchase agricultural goods, which they need, like grains and things like that. And that was how he got around this problem with the Chinese people not being able to purchase uh, uh, um, uh, um, advanced manufactured goods because they didn't have the capital to do that. But of course, under, under Biden, all that went out the window and, and China no longer has to do anything except, well, whatever, <laughs> except pay his family or whatever. Um, so what we're, ha what we're seeing in terms of economics is what's called a year curve, yield curve, curve inversion, yield curve inversion, sorry about that, and a financial market imbalance. This is causing inflation in your asset prices, and this is causing the entire U.S. system to be very fragile. Remember what we said in the previous, in the previous section, Israeli banks today are significantly safer and less fragile than the American banking system. That doesn't mean there are no problems with banks here. There are problems with banks here as well, but they are not fragile as they are in the United States. Um, and for those people that say, well, that the, uh, uh, the bank runs are, 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 are nothing special and, and Volcker did it as well, we did not. And again, we look at history, 1970, the U.S. just completed its recovery, took 40 years, from the 1930s bank collapse. So Volcker had an easy time of it. It took 40 years, and he was able to 
raise the, 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 the interest rates as he did at the time. However, U.S. debt at the time was $1 trillion. One times the, the, the United States GDP. The debt has now risen in the past 40 years by 3,200%. Hmm. Look at that number. 3,200% yeah. rise in America's debt. And again, this is a balance sheet debt, not the hidden debt. Again, we discussed this last week. The issues of the hidden debt, uh, hundreds of 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 trillions of dollars in additional debt above the 31 trillion that are in inceptions like uh, Social Security, Medicaid, and et cetera, et cetera. Today, debt is four times the GDP of the United States. No country in history, in human history, has survived that number. There is only there are only two historical ways to mitigate massive debt of that kind. You either inflate it or you go to massive war. So when you say no other country has survived that, what does that mean? Survived it in what way? What would happen to the United States? I'm not making a prediction about the United States. What I'm saying right now is that um, uh, the United States is under enormous financial pressure. Does that mean the, 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 the American dollar is about to collapse? I'm not saying that. I do not say that. The United States dollar is not about to collapse. The United States is not about to de-dollarize de in terms of the, the U.S. as a reserve currency. However, and this is very important, um, in addition to everything else that's going on, we, we all know the concept of the BRICS, the, the, the uh, uh, so-called five countries that... Uh, that uh, uh, um, Brazil, Russia, India, China... And South, America, uh, South Africa. South Africa. Thank you. That was the BRICS. Today, 81 countries are scheduled to meet this, uh, 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 me, next month, uh, in about three weeks, in St. Petersburg for a conference. The subject of the concert, 81, not five, 81 countries are scheduled to meet. The, the, the purpose of the conference is to discuss the possibility of a new currency for the non-Western world, which is replacing BRICS. And the purpose of this is to not de-dollarize, and I'll explain in a moment what that means, but to replace the dollar as a payment currency. There's a vast difference between a payment currency and a reserve currency. The dollar as a reserve currency right now is, I believe, irreplaceable simply because of the size of the American market and its and its uh, um, uh, uh, um, uh, market flexibility, no other country has that type of market infrastructure to rival that. No other country in the world. So I don't believe the American reserve currency will be replaced. I do believe that the dollar, as a primary, pardon me, as the primary um, uh, uh, payment currency will begin to evolve. And how does that compare to the, sh to the Israeli shekel? Sorry? And how does that compare to the Israeli shekel? The Israeli shekel is a very interesting question. The Israeli shekel is a very um, um, out-of-the-ordinary currency in terms of the world. On the one hand, we have um, uh, uh, foreign currency reserves, which are the, <clears throat> the 14th highest in the world. That includes even countries like uh, um, uh, um, 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 
Oil countries like Saudi Arabia, includes countries like Germany, etc. Um, 14th highest in the world in reserve currency. Um, uh, the shekel is not linked to the dollar. It used to be, by the way, many, many years ago. But it's not linked to the dollar. It's linked to what's called a, 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 an evolving, a constantly evolving basket of currencies. So the Bank of Israel, again, we're going back to the issue of bank stability. The Bank of Israel re periodically reevaluates. I don't know the periodicity of that. Periodically reevaluates what the basket of currencies is composed of in terms of percentages. Obviously, the dollar is part of that. And the shekel is then uh, um, 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 priced according to that basket, which makes the shekel today an extraordinarily um, uh, 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 stable currency by those people who know these things, and I'm not one of them. Um, the shekel today is classed as the, uh, I think, the eighth or ninth most stable currency in the world. Wow. And such a tiny little country. Amazing. Well, that's, it's tiny in terms of size, but as I said, in terms of our foreign currency reserves are one of the, one of the strongest in the world. And in terms of our uh, 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 GDP per capita, I think we're now at number five or six or something like that. Extraordinarily high. Much, much higher than any Western European country, much higher than the United States. In other words, if, if you're an American and you decide to live in Israel, and I mean this symbolically, not physically at the moment, you lengthen your life expectancy, you uh, uh, enhance your fertility, and you get richer all at once, easily, just by making that, 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 that little trip. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Uh, Swift and U.S. domination. I don't think we have time to that, do we? Do we really have time to go on that? Go five on that minutes? Is... Can you do it in five minutes? Maybe. I'll sort of be, be a little bit swift, if you okay. pardon the pun. Yeah. Swift, if people, um, if people are aware, Swift is the payment system that was authored and sponsored by the United States government um, um, many years ago. It's for uh, inter-country transfers of, of payments. As I said, there's this meeting in St. Petersburg next month um, uh, to reevaluate re that. Uh, India has already come up with something which they call the UPI system, which is paralleling SWIFT. Japan has just announced that it's, it tends to join that. Many, many countries around the world, clearly what, what, what the Biden administration did against Russia has uh, enormously accelerated this process of, of leaving SWIFT. Um, uh, 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 the United Arab Emirates is evaluating joining it is uh, joining the, the um, Indian UPI as well as is Saudi Arabia and many other countries. Um, we do not know what currency we know what currency today currencies today are 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 used in the UPI system. It's mostly based on the Indian currency but not exclusively. One of its attra attractions is that it is not exclusive in terms of currency. Um, but we all need to wait probably with uh, a lot of uh, care and trepidation to see what's going to happen in, in St. Petersburg. Um, there is motion right now. 
the financial markets around the world are in tremendous flux. We are at a crux. We're at a, a critical junction right now. These coming few months, I would guess, uh, say, by autumn, we will be seeing, in my estimation, major changes in financial markets around the world. Hmm. And so the, the U.S. dominance is under enormous pressure. I would guess that the objective of most of these countries today is to, again, not de-dollarize, but to end the United States dominance of their currencies and of their markets. And that really matters to every American, to every person on the planet. Oh, and by the way, the new currency that they're talking about, it's already been announced that it will be gold-based. So people should speak with their financial advisors and ask them if it's a good idea to invest in gold. I, I would guess so. As I've said in, in before, I, be, I happen to believe in, 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 in metals, uh, not necessarily only gold, but uh, clearly gold should be part of the mix in my estimation. I'm not a financial advisor. I don't know how to do that. I know how to do it for myself, barely, but not for others. Um, definitely people should be looking at how they do things, but look at it with a very open mind. Things are changing. The Key word here is flux. Everything is changing at a rate that has never been seen before in the history of humanity. Hmm. Interesting times. That's a Chinese curse, by the way, that you yes, should live is. in interesting times. <laughs> and uh, I've even yeah. gone into the issue of the bank, U.S. banking crisis or a lot of other issues that are on the table right now. Um, on my estimation, the banking crisis in America is far from finished. All righty. Okay, so I guess we'll end it there. Yeah, I, so, I suppose so. All right. So if anybody has any comments or questions, you can always write us info or Tamar, T-A-M-A-R, or info at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Remember, you can agree, you can disagree. Everyone has a right to their own opinion. We are not flustered by people who don't agree with us. We look at it actually as uh, a learning opportunity, as uh, intellectual stimulation to debate uh, a point or so. And so and we, welcome, as well. we welcome your comments and we welcome Absolutely. your feedback. Absolutely. All right. And I do uh, forward letters to uh, is uh, to uh, Dr. Mordechai ben Menachem so he can answer you personally as well. So you can take advantage of that. Everybody, you've been listening to the Tamar Yono Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I want to thank you for being with us. And again, my email, Tamar, T-A-M-A-R, at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com if you have any comments or feedback or questions. And uh, I'll forward those to Dr. Mordechai ben Menachem as well. Thank you, everybody, for being with us. And thank you, Dr. Mortified Ben Menachem. Thank you for uh, having me. It was a lot of fun. <laughs>